Hello and welcome to Crusher Talk. I'm your friend, Haley Kane. Haley Crusher Kane to some, dog mom to others. Peanut is sleeping next to me and she has a little bit of a snore going on. Um, I've always thought that uh, Dr. Kane and I were tinks, two incomes, no kids, but actually we are dildos, which is a double income little dog owners. So if you are a dildo, just know that we're with you in spending all of our extra income, I say extra in quotes, on vet bills and expensive hobbies like being in a band. Um, Not to be confused with the time that we found a dildo on the street in our neighborhood and the the dog found it under a pile of trash because Detroit. Um, anyways, that's a way to start this situation. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, I feel like this is actually a good place to start because I was going to mention a book recommendation that came to me. And sometimes you read books that are just completely out of left field and you're like, wow, that's not a book I would have normally read, but it was perfect for the moment I was in. Um, I think I heard about this book on like a podcast recommending it, like a news podcast um, where they recommend books at the end of the the interview or something. I listen to too many podcasts, so I don't remember which one it was. But anyways, um, it's called Pod. Um, it's called Pod. It's great. And I was trying to describe this to my husband, but I just kept sounding like a crazy person. So I'm going to try to describe this correctly without sounding like a crazy person. But um, essentially, it is a book from the point of view of a dolphin um, named named Aya. Um, and there are these two dolphin tribes in the ocean. And it's crazy, you guys, because... It's it's got everything the normal human book would have: drama, uh, conflict, romance, loss, all the things you would get in a normal fiction book. Tension, uh, action, you know, all the things, all the things you would want in in a, any sort of entertaining book. But it's from the point of view of a dolphin, and you guys might know dolphins are extremely smart. Um, and so the the, cra- the other crazy thing about this book, because it's from the point of view of this dolphin, is that like I was as I was listening to the book, I was like, because I listened to it on Audible, I'm like, is is this stuff true? Like, do dolphins, like I know dolphins do sexually assault other dolphins, and that does come up in the book, but there was this one part where Aya gets a parasite on her the bottom of her her belly area that basically eats her poop, like eats her the stuff that comes out of her. And I was like, is this actually a thing that happens? And I Googled it. And like, apparently this parasite is a real thing. And it like hooks itself onto the dolphin and like eats its poop. But in the book, this, she can hear the voice of this parasite talking to her throughout some of the book. And so every character in the book has like its own voice. So like the parasite has a voice. Aya's friends and the leaders of her dolphin group and her mother have a voice. And there's like different fish that have voices. And it's like... It sounds insane. First question I was asked by Dr. Kane was, is this a YA book? And I said, hell no. There is a lot of sexual, dolphin on dolphin sexual assault, trigger warning. That is definitely something that happens. Um, 
but it is not. No, one of the dolphins, it was like a government-trained dolphin, because this is a thing, apparently, where the government does train dolphins to do stuff. Um, <laughs> so, like, every element of this book is, like, a. it could actually be plausible. Um, there are great white sharks. There is... Uh, scare. There are scary parts. There's gore a little bit. There's obviously like like I said before. I mean, it's it's take take a normal human book and put it into dolphins, and they're in the ocean. I mean, it's really really cool. Um, there's a ugh, the best part, you guys. There's like all these whales in the book, and the whales are just hilarious. Like there's this one emo whale that sings like its little emo song about the ships that are destroying like the ships with the nets that are destroying um the ecosystem where the whale is and like all the other whales don't want to hear this other whale's little sad song because they want to sing like basically like whale drinking songs which i just thought was so funny and like this sounds crazy i sound crazy but it's so poignant and some of this stuff coming from the perspective of the whales because yes it's from the point of view of Aya, but like different chapters will switch around to different characters so like you'll hear about the whale and what the whale's up to and then you'll hear about like i don't know there's like other kinds of marine life i don't want to get too into it or spoil anything but um i don't know like there's some poignant parts that i was like oh my god am i gonna cry this is so beautiful um and i think the reason why this book appealed to me and like i would never think this book would would appeal to me like i kind of felt like oh this book's gonna be for like marine animal dorks which i have friends that are obsessed with marine animals and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I've never been like that obsessed with the exception of Island of the Blue Dolphins, which I loved. But that's not about really dolphins. It's about a girl that got left behind <laughs> on an island. It's basically a home alone, but on an island. Um, if, you're on a, if you're of a certain generation, you definitely read that chapter book. Yes, I said chapter book. Because um, there's chapters in it. Um, <laughs> anyways. This book is really great. Oh, the reason I was into it is like there's definitely periods of my life where like cuz I love people. I love connecting with people. I'm a connector. I love talking. I love being talked to. I love connecting on a deep level to like most people around me. I don't like small talk. So I'm a big connector. So there's definitely times in my life where that I'm just I'm done it's too much. And I just get a little bit like zapped out from being a people. And so like the peopling isn't peopling and I don't feel like peopling. And that's when animals come into play and animals are just the best. And the only thing that can help when you're just like, I don't want a human anymore. And I don't want to put more human voices in my head. And I was just kind of like, I don't want to listen to a podcast of people's opinions or think about people or think about politics or anything like that. I just wanted to be like in the ocean swimming around learning about the ocean at the same time definitely scratches the itch for people that want like factual. Like I like fiction, but I like when it's also like factual or historical or just scientifically correct. Like I think that is really fun because you get to have, you get to have both experiences of like the literature experience and the art experience and the creativity experience from that standpoint. But also you get to like learn about something. So that book, I just highly recommend it. It's great. I think you should get it on audiobook because it's so fun to hear the different animals' voices. Again, this is not a YA book. Uh, it sounds like a Disney movie, but I swear to you, it's it's definitely not a Disney movie. Um, okay. There's another book that I'm listening to right now that I find really fascinating, and I think it's 
kind of correlates to what I was talking about in terms of like peopling, just being too much peopling. This is like people for the just they're just like feeling the dystopian internet vibe that's just we know it's worse now. We just know. I don't I don't know why. I think maybe AI AI and I don't know. We're just at peak we're at peak like tech overload. And I know we say that every year, but I think 2023 is like really peak because we're looking back 10 years in the past in 2013 being like, what a quaint time when we just took pictures on Instagram with silly filters and put like a little border around it and like took a picture of our avocado toast. And wasn't that swell? Wasn't that just an innocent time? Um, Which is funny because in 2013, that was like, oh my God, like peak millennial annoyance like oh these these vapid millennials in their avocado toast pictures but now we pine for that because why ai um is freaky it's just getting freakier um everybody is just on twitter i have to or we're x whatever um what else uh tiktok i have deleted tiktok because i was interested in all the videos and it's just too good at finding little weird videos for me to watch that I loved. Um, I think everyone's kind of at this fatigue point of just like coming through COVID and being like, we're finally free, but we're not free because we have way too much social connectivity at our fingertips. And it's, it's just like a free dopamine machine and that should not be free. That shit should not be free. It's like when you give the mice and the experiment um like sugar water and they just keep coming back to it it's just not not great so this book is about an alternate reality where people can decide to upload their consciousness to an internet sort of place cloud place that is searchable and the reason that the that people gave up this right in the book is because in order to search this universal consciousness and universal memory bank, like people's visual memories, you have to give up your own. And so people's curiosity about being able to search for these things was so strong that they were like, eh, I'll give up my own, um, like conscious, like I'll give up my own memories and stuff, whatever, to this memory bank thing. Um, cause they wanted, they wanted to like see memories from like their, um, you know, relatives that have passed away or like memories that would maybe vindicate certain people of certain situations or like there's a lot of reasons why humans would want to get a clearer picture of like what the truth is of what happened in the past. Because when something happens and it becomes a memory, we all know it becomes real murky, at least for certain people, for most people. I, I, I should say the only people that don't have this problem are people that have photographic memories. And that's horrifying and I from from what I've read those people are very miserable because they don't want to remember what they did last when or last Wednesday I don't remember what I did last Wednesday 10 Wednesdays ago and at 2 p.m they don't want to remember every little thing so anyways it's about that concept which I like that as an overarching concept but uh not dissimilar to the pod book there are different people in this world um and I, it's, like, similar to our world because, like, Napster is mentioned and, like, there's definitely, like, Facebook, something like Facebook is mentioned. Or, or maybe this is kind of like the Facebook that it's, like, replaced Facebook. Um, 
anyways, um, it's, it's, it's got different perspectives. So there's different narrators. Um, and if you're kind of like ADD and enjoy kind of pop, like bopping around in different people's heads, which I don't mind at all. I like it. Um, you may enjoy this book. It's very smart. It's also like very writerly, like the way that it's written is beautiful. Like the prose style is very beautiful. Um, it's funny, but it's real. And I don't know, like sometimes the best way to like deal with how crazy and sped up our technological world is, is to read about an alternate version of it where we have an alternate but similar problem. I think that's the that's what sci-fi does, right? It allows us to actually like step outside of ourselves enough to like see what terrible things could happen or are already happening, but allows us to process them a little bit better um, because we're seeing it in like a, a similar but different way. Um, allows us to like approach our fears from a different way, right? That's that's what sci-fi does. That's why it exists. Um, anyways, um, I'm trying to plug in my laptop because I think it's going to die, and that would not be good. Um, anyways, those are two books. That, so that book, did I tell you what it was called? Probably not. Um, it's called The Candy House, and um, ugh. I recommend that one on audiobook as well because you're going to get a lot of different people's voices and I just think that's fun. I've been really into Audible lately. Um, Candy House is by, let's see, Jennifer Egan. Uh, one of the top 10 books of the year by the New York Times Entertainment Weekly Slate and the Philadelphia Inquirer. Philadelphia Inquirer, I don't know who cares who cares about that, but people do. Um yeah, it's beautiful. It's amazing. Um, I could go on about it, but I'll just let you look it up if you're interested. And then Pod is by Laline Paul. Um, so yeah, those are two book recommendations for you. If you're just like, I don't want to people anymore. And then like you want to help with processing our dystopia through reading about it, other people dealing with it. <laughs> um, and I should say the book, like, one last thing about Candy House. It's it's I made it sound like the whole book is about this issue, but it's not. It's about real people doing real things and dealing with real human problems, but that's just the technological trick, you know, the like uploading your memories and consciousness is the way that it we get into the story. So, it's not like a really like super sci-fi book in that way. It's just slightly sci-fi. <sighs> Okay, moving on. Um, I think one of the things I'm going to miss the most about Detroit is my writer's group. Um, I joined a group called The Room Project, which meets in Midtown every other Wednesday at this really cool space on Woodward Avenue. Um, I should say Cass Corridor area because apparently if you say Midtown, they throw you out of the city. And I'm sorry, please, nobody throw me out. I'm already leaving. You don't have to throw me out. Um Great, great, great place um, started by a woman named Kelsey who wrote a book called, um, God, what is it called? Chevy in the Hole about, she's from Flint, Michigan, and it's about Flint, Michigan. And it's a really interesting book. Highly recommend that book as well. I'm listening to that one um, as well. I haven't finished it yet. But anyways, Kelsey started this group of creatives just kind of getting together to work on different things at this wonderful space with like a little code you can get in and just like work on projects. Like 
you could do anything in that space. It's a beautiful space. Well, anyways, that space is now like four times as much in rent and because that's what's happening to Detroit right now. And so, uh, yeah, so they have to move. So the room project is actually going to be like going away. And I think it will be kind of morphing into a pop-up that's going to like pop up at different um, like bookstores. Like there's a book co-op here um, in Hamtramck called Book Suey, which I know they're meeting at today, actually. Um, and who knows, maybe it'll pop around different bookstores. But anyways, I'm really going to miss that group of people and like the peer editing situation. I'd never... Okay, I've I've done peer editing. I hadn't done it since I was in college and it's so valuable. Like even even the times where you're like, mm, I don't really agree with that person's opinion, like that person's opinion is so valuable because to see outside of yourself and outside of your own work and your own writing, it's and for someone to actually read it and to be invested and to actually care enough to give you honest feedback is so incredible. And although I was really freaked out to do peer editing because I hadn't really really shown my fiction much. I mean, I have so many different projects that I just feel like, I don't know, the thing they needed was a group of people that are in the same boat trying to bring these projects to fruition, which as everyone knows, like fiction writing can be really hard because you find yourself writing yourself almost into like a little maze sometimes. And so the the feedback and like, I don't know, just the honesty and vulnerability of a group like that, I'm going to really miss. And I'm going to try to seek something like that, that out in California. But I just felt like talking about it today because I think it more than just in my case, I think it would apply to like most people that if you want to do something, like for me, it's publishing a novel a fiction novel um, that you to get in a group of people that are in the same boat as you with the same stakes that want the same thing and or have done that thing. Um, that's really valuable. And like, I think sometimes it's easy to be like, oh, well, there's so many internet places I can go to find that kind of camaraderie, which is true. But I think in person is just so great. And like, just no matter what you want to do, just try to find other people that also really want to do that thing or are doing that thing. It's so um, incredible to just like meet people that are like, oh yeah, I also have three different projects. And when I'm annoyed with one, I work on a different one or like know the intricacies of like how maddening it can be when you're self-editing and you're editing like too much um, and like quieting that part of your brain. Like there's just so many facets of process of whatever you're trying to do that like only the people that are actually in that boat and trying to do the same thing are going to know. So I'm going to remind myself that, that I need to continue to do that regardless of what I'm trying to do. Try to meet up with people that have those same desires and are doing it because it is everything in life is processed step by step, right? It's just like one step in front of the other. And so yeah, it makes no sense to just do everything on your own, try to reach out to people. I don't know. I just felt like that was something I wanted to touch on because um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the experience that I had, and I'm definitely going to seek that out. Or or I was thinking maybe even start my own writer's group um, if there isn't one that I like. So um, what else? Speaking of writing, uh, my friend Ben, Ben Weasel, Ben Foster, um, you might know him from the band Screeching Weasel, uh, has a book out called Crow Dark the Night, and it is a cozy mystery that is centered in 
like the music scene and touches upon some of the inside baseball of being in the music the music industry which is awesome um but it's also a mystery and there's also like you know a lot of intrigue um his book is coming out i pre-ordered it because i helped edit this book and through the process of editing I gained so much knowledge about fiction writing, and it was actually incredibly helpful to have worked on my first, well, this is my second book editing project uh, for a friend, Um, to do that before joining a peer review writing group kind of thing, like, very helpful, (laughs) because the... It's almost like I got to do like so much nitty gritty in the weeds and seeing how the sausage is made into like going into a room and deciding what kind of sausage I want to make. So it was like this perfect like way that life worked out. Um, I really enjoyed working on this project and it's a great book. Um, it's, it's perfect for like just being cozy and like sitting at home with a cup of tea and um yeah, there's a, an interesting cast of characters. Again, this is like a weird theme, but like there are multiple characters in the story that it bounces around. Like there's two basically, I mean, I don't know. I haven't reread it since it's been edited again. I, I it was kind of like the first editing person and then there's another and who knows, maybe there were even more after that, which that's how books are, guys. It's like for it's like crazy how much work putting a book out is. I mean, the amount of people and time and effort and care from like the way it looks to the way everything it's just insane um not unlike an album I guess um but just god feels like so much so much more work um what was I saying I don't remember um anyways it's coming out soon and uh it's a good like like I was gonna say Halloween but like Halloween winter whatever like wintery kind of book um I don't know once there's a link to buy it, I will link it. But like right now, all the pre-orders I think went out. And so the pre-orders are sold out and that's done. So anyways, just keep, keep an eye out for it. Um, I don't know. Anytime somebody that I know puts something out that I'm impressed with or excited about, it just, it's so cool because it makes you feel like I could do that too. And, um, I don't know, right now it's cool to just know people that are just publishing books left and right. Like, why not just publish a book? No big deal, right? Um, anyways, so that's Crow Dark the Night. Um, this weekend we're going to be heading to Chicago uh, to play, well, Blue Island, Chicago, Blue Island, Illinois, which is like 20 minutes outside of Chicago. So um, to play Hoof Fest, that's Hands Off Our Fest. It's like a femme kind of fronted, femmes, thems, and drag queens and just people that maybe don't always get the the top billing on the stage, which I think is really cool. Um, and so I'm excited to support that event. It's going to be happening at Blue Island Beer Company. And it starts early. It's all ages. If you are under 18, you do need an adult present. But it is like starting at like, I think doors are at three. It's like an early event. Um, and I think we're going to go on like second to last of the bands. So I think maybe like around six or seven, like – I love an early show, so I'm really excited about that. Um, but I was wondering, if anyone has recommendations for Chicago food, please let me know because we have hit quite a few, including Pequod's Pizza, Deep Dish Pizza. Um, we've had hot Italian beef at Johnny's. We've had uh, Chicago Dog at Al's. We've also had Chicago Dog at Fatso's. 
So if anyone has suggestions of things to eat, that's always like as important as the show. So please let me know. It truly is important to me. Um, at the end of my life, I don't want to be like, you know, I ate at McDonald's on the road. No, when you're like the whole, the whole thing, the whole thing doesn't make sense. Like touring, touring and take playing shows out of town. I guess I should say, cause it's not really a tour, but all the effort you put into going out of town, you should at least hit, in my opinion, like two legendary spots to eat, like a couple or at least one vintage store and like for Dr. Kane, one comic book store. I don't really give a shit about music stores anymore just because I have enough records and I'm just like saturated with that right now. I just don't don't even want to like go sifting through records. Uh, but vintage stores, food, comic book stores, those are like the three, the Holy grail. Um, so if anyone knows anything, let me know. Um, I'm drinking pumpkin spice. Okay. I'm drinking pumpkin, pumpkin America. My, 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 okay. Let's start over. My drink order is a medium Americano hot with pumpkin, uh, with a little bit of oat milk. Um, and I have to say, I think there's something really insidious about how we talk about pumpkin spice because what is pumpkin spice? It is cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves, and ginger, all of which are very serious contenders. Like these are, these are serious flavors and they're serious, um, spices. Like I'm pretty sure wars have been waged over like cloves and nutmeg and cinnamon and ginger. Um, maybe not gin. No, ginger is pretty important too. But ginger is not really a spice. It was like a root. So, well, everything's a thing before it becomes a spice. I don't know. Um, people give a shit about these. So cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves, and ginger, not, not a laughing matter. Like, no one is laughing. Then you call it pumpkin spice, and everyone's like, oh, that's for basic bitches. That's for girls. And I just find that really upsetting because I think in general, like, when things are written by women and for women or, or a, a thing is developed that it's like, oh, women like this, it becomes instantly less serious or less like important in society where it's like, okay, so, so, um, if a woman writes a book about improving yourself, it's self-help. But if a man writes a book about improving yourself, it's, um, what do they call it? Uh, self-development or like business development or like motivational, whatever. Like it's, it's very, one is like, you you know one woman writes a a fiction book a man writes a fiction book the woman's it's called like you know uh chiclet and then the man's book is just a book like let's not let's not decide the pumpkin spice is uh a girly you know thing to throw away i just find that really annoying um cuz if you really break it down it is not it's not really a laughing matter we're just talking about you know some nice warming autumnal spices so get over yourself and if you have any such blockage with ordering such a drink, don't. Just order it. Just order goddamn pumpkin spice and uh, get your PSL on and don't don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Um, let's see. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to do like a Craveworthy, but I just – I couldn't think of a recipe that I've been really that into. I just want to give a shout-out to the best thing I had recently, which was a vegan – Big Mac pizza, deep dish pizza with vegan custard milkshake that had Oreo crumbles. Um, I'm dairy free. So, you know, no one likes vegan cheese. It's, it's stupid. Let's be honest. However, 
let's talk about what a Big Mac is. A Big Mac has that plasticky American cheese on it. So I have to say, the vegan Big Mac pizza actually tasted like like the Big Mac. It had the Big Mac sauce and it had um, pickles, like the the perfect the perfect pickle. Because for me, it's always my my burger orders extra pickles, extra ketchup, and this had the best pickles that were crunchy and it even had like shredded lettuce on it that was like that pitiful big mac lettuce but it worked it worked and there were sesame seeds like a sesame seed bun you guys it was so good so i had this at a place called grandma bobs in corktown in detroit so i'm sorry if you don't live there but this deserved to be talked about because it was like somebody really thought about it somebody really thought about those flavors and i appreciate that um Oh, here's an interesting one. This kind of goes with the t technology. This, this would have been done better, like, you know, earlier in the conversation. But um, I heard this interesting thing on social media recently, which is that there is a trend in technology and like social media and like podcasting that it's turning away from these content pieces being entertainment to people seeking these content pieces for companionship. And that there's a sense of people tuning in to podcasts and Twitch streams and what have you for this sense of companionship versus what it has been up to this point, which is entertainment, which is kind of interesting and probably was accelerated by the COVID lockdowns and just COVID in general, everyone staying inside and people needing to find companionship in other ways, like day to day, and also partly just like a kind of a basic of like how people are disconnected from their communities and their neighborhoods and aren't like walking around and like meeting people and seeing people every day. Just like I see people because I walk around everywhere. I don't own a car right now. Um, that kind of like interaction, they're looking for like almost like these casual companionship, like this, the people that you see when you're like in line library if you even go to the library and you like talk to them about a book you're reading or something people are kind of missing that and I found that really weird and I'm just putting it out there for you guys if you if you notice it out there because I've been trying to notice it when I see it and being like hmm is this good or bad like maybe it is okay that we're not trying to tap dance for entertainment purpose but more like be in someone's ear as a support I guess, or even just like a comfort. Is that so bad? I mean, is that horrible? Is that scary? I don't know. Um, kind of hard to tell these days, like what's, what's dystopian and what's not right. Um, speaking of like just seeing random people, I wanted to t touch upon my, cause I were moving back to California for six months, five months that I wanted to touch upon like my sort of like update since moving to Detroit, which has like been one year with no car. So as a lifelong Californian, that's insane to me. And I, if you had told me like a year or two ago that I wouldn't have a car for a year, it's actually been more than a year. Um, I would have been like, what? That's crazy. Like, no, there's no way. But, um, yeah, yes way. Yes way. It has happened. And I recently looked up how much, uh, carbon dioxide that has like basically I've not put into the atmosphere because I am not driving um and it's a lot there's a lot I, I've completely forgot the number 
Um, maybe I can Google it right now. It's pretty incredible. Um, so there's that because, you know, one of the biggest things I guess you can do um, for the environment, because I was like Googling recently because I was scared of the world ending because, you know, I watched that show or that movie Look Up on Hulu or Netflix. Uh, it's like a satire, but not <laughs> about a comet destroying the world. And the comet, I think, is supposed to be climate change for us audience goers. Um, and it was like the biggest thing you can do is not drive, which is crazy. That's not really why I stopped driving. But um, yeah, 4.6 metric tons of CO2 per year do not enter the environment if you do not drive. Isn't that insane? That's crazy. Um, when I think about tons, I always think of like horses because growing up with horses, like I think horses weigh like a ton or something. <laughs> It's like, how often do you see what a ton is? Like, what is a ton, you know? Uh, how much is a ton? How much does a horse weigh? 15, okay, between 900 and 1,200 pounds. But how many, how many pounds are in a ton? 2,000. Okay, so I was wrong definitely not a ton. Why did I say that? I guess, I guess I shouldn't think of horses. I should think of like cows. I'm assuming a, a cow would weigh a ton. Yeah. 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 Cow, cow's going to, cow's going to run you about 2,400 LBs. So that's, that's like definitely in the ton category. Um, anyways, it's good to not drive. And I wanted to like do a little recap about not driving. And my recap is, I love it. I've never been in better shape. I've never had better mental health. Uh, I know my neighbors and my community so much more. Um, I love it. I love it, love it, love it. And I also love the fact that I just see those little things unfolding around me that you don't see when you're in a car. And like those things could be as simple as like flowers or like a really pretty, I don't know, front porch or like neighborhood cats or whatever um I see that so much more and I think also I think of having not having a car now as a little bit of a luxury my friend from Hollywood came to visit and she was like you're living the dream because we we're walking to like go to the store because you can just walk to the store you can just walk here and there to the coffee shop and I was like I guess so like the dream the dream kind of is it's like living in Europe, <laughs> walking to the various places to get the things you need than walking home. Like they always say like the French eat so much more fat and like so much more rich foods than Americans, um, really. And yet they're, they're more fit. And like, why? Because they're just walking more. They're just like, they're walking to their croissant. They're walking to their baguette, which I like this idea as somebody who eats healthy 95% of the time so that 5% I can go wild and eat a Big Mac pizza or like a Chicago dog like that I, that really appeals to me um the idea of getting like physical exercise just by like going to the post office and also meeting that quota of seeing people in your neighborhood seeing people you know in a casual way like that is a I think that's a huge loneliness like loneliness salve like You'd think it would be lonely to work from home for me and to not have a car, but it's actually the opposite. Like, it, it does mean something to see the same people everywhere you go and to, like, have 
some of somewhat of a tie to these people, even if it is something of like a casual tie, you know? And I think that is the thing about city life that is the biggest enlightening thing to me, like in moving here was just like, oh, that, that piece is a lot bigger than you think it's going to be in terms of how it affects your life versus living in like a more suburban environment or rural environment. The energy that you get just from like walking around the city and just like seeing different like public art or seeing like murals or new businesses popping up, blah, blah, blah. Like those things can be so like enriching to your life. So for me, I've loved it. Has it been sort of difficult? Absolutely. Um, I just being limited on when I can use the van has been hard, but I do still have like obviously a way to get around if I need to. Um, it's just more about deciding like what days I'm going to do stuff when I have the van. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing really for the environment to be like, like yesterday I went to, um, the salon and I Ubered and it was like, well, I don't own a car, but I, I Ubered and that's like ride sharing and like, you know, that's cool. I don't, I don't need to buy a car to sometimes go to the salon. So we'll see what happens when, um, we get back to California cause that's going to be harder, much harder to do. And also Detroit is not a walking city. I just happened to move to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in Detroit, but I'm on the cusp of Hamtramck, as I've said many times. And that's, I'm so, so, so grateful for that because that is a walkable city. Um, and by city, I mean neighborhood, <laughs> borough. So yeah, I, that's going to be weird when we go, go back to California for a while. So we'll see what happens. But um, riding my bike has been the biggest joy, like getting back into riding my bike everywhere, not having any hills because it's the Midwest. Oh my God. Like literally ri like riding my bike for like six miles and being like, eh, no big deal. Um, so cool. So cool. Riding, riding bikes downtown and through the DeQuinter cut those are some of the best memories of this summer that I'm going to remember just like on the bicycle, um, rolling past some like weird historic slash community, you know, you, in Detroit, it's funny. Cause like one second you're like rolling past like a super old building that's like falling apart. And the next second you're rolling past, you know, a vacant lot that now has like some inspirational like community art that everyone came together to create and like then you are next to like a really hip coffee shop and it's just like it's very jarring but it's like I don't know it's very Detroit so I'm gonna miss that that feeling of like oh anything could happen on my bike ride um so that's been big um also as you guys may or may not know I have not had any alcohol since February so I think we're at seven months. Yeah. Like se almost eight months. Wait, eight months, eight months. I'm coming on nine. That's crazy. So let's see how that's been almost a year. Um, wow. I think that has been huge in terms of not realizing how much alcohol would affect my moods. And I think a lot of people have this issue where like you don't even realize that it would accentuate certain moods. Like say you even had like a drink or two drinks or even like two drinks a week, but you would feel tired the next day or irritable. Or if you were in a bad mood, feel like you were in a worse mood. Right. So 
that's been really eye-opening to me to be like, huh, I'm not as moody as I thought I was. Like now that I don't drink, I'm like, hmm, I think that just really exacerbated whatever mood I was in. Um, so that's been interesting. And also it's when you don't drink, you realize how many things in, in the world are centered around drinking that just like, it's very much this, it's very much like I'm walking into a movie, like a 1950s movie where everyone's smoking every second of the day. And I'm like, what the fuck? Why is everyone smoking in the airplane or in the classroom or in the gym? Like, what the fuck? Um, Because we've all watched those old movies and been like, they just smoked a cigarette and they're smoking another cigarette. Every scene is like chain smoking. And you hear about like doctors smoking in the hospital and stuff and like patients smoking or even cigarettes being prescribed. And um, you're like, that's crazy. Those idiots, those dum-dums. But when you stop drinking in this culture in 2023, you realize it's exactly the same thing. And we're going to be looking back at this time going, oh, wasn't it cute when everyone just drank poison and then like everything was, you know, like, like it was not a big deal. And although I don't judge anyone for drinking and like, I, I like alcohol. (laughs) I think it's really fun. Like my, uh, Hey, I like alcohol. That's, that's just me. I don't think it's a bad, I don't think it's a bad, bad way to party personally, but, um, it is a poison and it, uh, it does kind of, the thing that is so insidious about it that I think really no one talks about is how alcohol really robs your ability to be creative in the sense that if you drink on Friday night, you're not doing some cool shit Saturday morning. And I think it benefits the government and the powers that be for people to unwind after like laboring all, all day with a poison that makes them so ineffectual that they can't really like do anything like rise up or overthrow the government or even just like create something. Um, it's strange to me how many people, I mean, I haven't had a normal job since 2013. Um, and I'm grateful for that being self-employed, but like how many people work nine to five, they have their weekends free and then they just poison themselves on the weekends. Um, there was a recent study that came out or like some official report. It's a big deal. I don't remember which one it was, but it was basically saying like, there is no safe amount of alcohol. That's a thing. And I think it was actually, it came out of Europe somewhere. Um, and the U S is looking at it, but it's not that I'm saying like you're you're gonna hurt yourself by drinking because like I'm the first one to tell you yeah yeah you will uh, we all know that um, and it's more about like do you like the the after effects of it um, is 20 minutes of fun worth the next day feeling lurpy or even like being moody and not even realizing that you're in a bad mood because your body is depleted from good sleep and is out of whack from the amount of like sugar and bad, bad stuff you put in your body. You know, it's almost like, uh, if you smoke a cigarette, probably not going to want to go jogging. So I don't know. That's the way I've been thinking about it. And the reason I've wanted to stay kind of on this path. Um, yeah, I think it kind of is a value issue for me that I value, being able to create and being able to do things outside of just trying to make money to survive and or like keep up appearances, which is kind of what a lot of people are up to these days. That's all. That's what they're doing. And um, 
that's kind of sad. And I, I, my, I value something different and always have. And I think alcohol is just feeds into this idea of like, let's all be in a group and have social cohesion and also bring everyone in the group down with this substance. Um, versus what if we all got together and we're bright eyed and bushy tailed and like had ideas and agency. I don't know. I, I'm seeing it more as like a weird like class struggle now. <laughs> but um you could just go down a rabbit hole with the amount of sober curious and sober adjacent or even just alcohol free movement kind of stuff going on. Um millennials are way less um drinkers than Gen X. And Gen Z are way less in the drinking department. And they don't see drinking as being linked to social bonding, which is like the big thing. You know, as a millennial, um, all we ever saw growing up was like how alcohol was going to like, you know, bring you into the social a social group, make you feel comfortable, you know, lead to romance or good times. Like every song in the in the 2000s was like, you're gonna have the best night of your life. You're gonna party till you pass out. Like every single song was like just going to the club and like drinking. And that does affect you. Um, so I'm taking a tip from all those youngsters out there who are just like, meh, I don't know. I don't need to do that to hang out with my friends. Um, which makes me definitely a little bit of a black sheep in my in my like age bracket, but, um, I do like that. Like societally speaking, there are so many cool NA options rising up to meet this, this new idea, like this new, like sort of alcohol free or just so just like sober curious kind of movement, because we don't have to be like, Oh, we're never going to drink again to just take a step back, you know? Um, let it let let your uh, let your heart be your guide. Don't don't feel scared. If you if you like feel like not drinking, um, that's fine. And there's a lot of good NA cocktails out there. I've realized like if I want to have something complex in a pretty glass, I can have something complex in a pretty glass, and that's great. <laughs> and I often do. Um, I think that's it. Okay, that's that's kind of it for now. I've I've rambled long enough. Um, do I have anything else to say? We have a show tonight in Detroit, but whatever. Um, either you're going to that or you're not. Um, we are moving forward on the new single. We have the artwork all ready to go. And um, like I said before, or maybe not, um, it's coming out on Halloween. And uh, we got everything set for that. We're going to go record vocals for the new album or new new set of songs um, end of October at Kitten Robot's kitten robot studios with our friend paul rossler very excited about that all the music was tracked at our friend ryan's basement aka the continental in detroit um so it'll be like a cool mix of detroit and la when it comes out and um yeah i'm excited about that um and i hope that you guys have a good rest of your week i will talk to you i guess next week sparkle hard bye